0: Listen to nerdwallet's smart money podcast wherever you get your podcasts. GDP is one of the most universally recognized terms in economics. Even outside people with an interest in the subject, most adults will be able to tell you that GDP is a measure of how large an economy is. They might not be able to tell you how it's calculated or even what it stands for, but they will at least get that part right. And you know what? That's probably all they need to know. It might even be all economists need to know about the figure, because it might be the extent of what this figure can tell us. Gross domestic product is a measurement of production in an economy. The idea is that the more stuff that has been created and transacted, the wealthier the economy is, and while this isn't necessarily wrong, it's not the whole story. The tachometer is a measurement of your car's performance. Higher revs on the dial normally mean that your car is going faster, but... There is actually no way to know without other information, like if that car is in gear, or even if that car has wheels on. This might be a bit of a rough analogy, but in a world where people are becoming hyper focused on GDP figures and what they mean for everyone amidst the chaos of 2020, it's important to remember to check out the other indicators. Something to keep in mind amongst all of this is that GDP is a macroeconomic measure, it looks at the whole economy as an aggregate or a total collective. Sure the figures might not look great, but ask yourselves watching, did your lifestyle become 33% worse when a 33% drop in GDP was recorded? For most of you watching, I would imagine the answer is no, which might start to raise some eyebrows as to just how useful this measure is at telling economists what's really going on in the nations that they are studying. So what are the limitations of GDP? Are there better figures to look at to get an idea of how prosperous an economy is? And how could focusing on something outside of pure productive capacity be good for our economy? Now a lot of people might say that GDP is just fine, it's a quick snapshot of information that serves its purpose. But just fine probably isn't the term you want to hear when we are looking at figures that will dictate policies of nations around the world. If a doctor was to say that a metric was just fine for determining the health of their patients, you might be looking to get a second opinion on that checkup and in many ways the stakes are even higher for national economic policies. We have seen before in videos on this channel that a small rise in unemployment can lead to hundreds or thousands of deaths and that seemingly benign policy mistakes can make the difference between Norway and Venezuela. So if we wanted something better than just fine, we first need to understand the limitations of GDP. Part of GDP's charm is that it is relatively simple to calculate. It's just a calculation of output in an economy which is also a calculation of consumption. GDP equals consumer spending plus government spending plus investment plus net exports. The idea here is that if we took the total value of all of these figures it would add up to the total value of all the stuff a given economy is making in a particular year. If an iPhone rolls off the production line it is either going to get purchased by a consumer or it has been exported. If a plumber provides 10 hours worth of work on a project it's normally being paid for by a household or a government municipality. Even if something gets produced and doesn't get sold it will normally be counted in business inventory as an investment in the hope that eventually it will be sold on to a consumer. The reason we use consumption metrics to calculate GDP is that it's just a lot easier. Hypothetically, record keepers could sit at the end of every production line and monitor every service provider out there and tally up all of their final outputs, but it's a lot easier just to look at revenue figures. Now, this is one of the first issues with GDP. It's a bit rough. If planks of wood are sold to another business along with some screws and paint, and that business then turns all of these component parts into a table, Only the table is supposed to be counted towards GDP figures, because those other items are all component parts of the final product. What's more is that if that table gets sold to someone who uses it for 3 years and then sells it to a second hand goods store which resells it all over again, that second sale is not supposed to count because it did not technically reflect new output. Now while these figures are not supposed to be counted in theory, they oftentimes are, And that's because sometimes the lines between final product and component parts can be very blurry. Consider this, when a car is assembled, the engine itself is not counted towards GDP because it is included in the productive value of the entire car. But if let's say the engine breaks down after a few years and you need to pay a mechanic to buy a new engine from the manufacturer as well as pay for their labor, does that count towards GDP? A new engine could cost thousands of dollars and the mechanic is probably going to charge a pretty penny for their time in the shop as well, but after all is said and done nothing new has been created. The world doesn't have an extra car so it's not technically any better off. So I put it to you, should these repairs count towards national GDP figures? Feel free to fight to the death in the comment section below and as always the best answer gets featured in the next video. All of this besides. Confusion about what should be included in GDP is not as big of a problem as what is specifically not included in GDP. The informal economy by some estimates makes up over 60% of the world's workforce. These are businesses and individuals that do not get counted in normal economic activity reports, this is normally because their figures are hard to track down which might be because they are engaged in illegal activities like selling contraband or most likely it's because their operations just fly under the radar. Someone selling bananas in rural africa is likely not reporting financial figures back to their government and so these types of operations don't get included in GDP when they actually should be, in fact even those illegal ventures technically should be counted towards GDP, but of course they are not. This can give developing nations unfavourable looking metrics simply because their economy tends to be less formal. Cash businesses and unreported services are a way of life in nations like the democratic republic of the congo but are not nearly as important in a country like let's say Switzerland. The final big factor that GDP completely ignores is foreign operations. The world is becoming an increasingly interconnected and interdependent entity. Global supply chains are now a staple of global business to the point where you would probably be hard pressed to find a modern product in your home that was made exclusively within your home country. If a computer is assembled from foreign component parts that is technically fine because those components would be counted in net exports, so it's not like the figures have been thrown off or anything, but rather it just misses a lot of wealth that is being produced abroad. Companies like Apple, GM, Tesla, Amazon or pretty much anything else on the S&P 500 for that matter have operations outside the USA which bring in profits. Since these are not happening within a nations borders, they are not counted in GDP figures. The opposite is also true, if a nation is filled with foreign corporations then any work those corporations do will count towards GDP figures. If the profits from those operations are then sent back overseas to the corporation's home country, the people of the operating nation might not feel much of a benefit outside of maybe some jobs. This becomes particularly important in nations that have lots of natural resources. Major international resource companies like Shell, BP, Rio Tinto have operations all over the world. These operations basically amount to digging stuff out of the ground and selling off to the highest bidder on the international market. Now most times the operations in the countries being mined will be taxed and they do create jobs but the spoils are primarily reserved for the company. This type of exploitation doesn't just afflict underdeveloped nations either, Australia has one of the largest mining industries in the world, but when the government of Australia pushed to introduce a resource tax to be compensated for the resources these companies were extracting they were beat down by one of the most expensive lobbying campaigns in history. But the good news was that at least Australia still got to count all of these operations in their GDP figures. So yippee I guess. Now there is a metric called GNP or gross national product which is supposed to actually account for this. What this figure does is stick a fifth variable onto the calculation, net foreign income represented by z. This variable accounts for the balance of foreign income payments to and from businesses operating within that nation. Or put simply, if a foreign company is operating in a country and generates $10 million worth of output, but then sends $5 million of that back to its home nation, it would count as $10 million by GDP figures, but only $5 million via GNP figures. Now you might be thinking, well great, there is the solution right there. Let's just use GNP figures instead. But unfortunately they are probably even more flawed. It is difficult to use these figures to tell anything because suddenly they are influenced by foreign exchange as well as the health of other nations. The performance of these other nations may not be truly indicative of the performance of the base nation. It would almost be like a doctor doing a checkup on a patient by taking the blood pressure of everyone in the room and then averaging out the results. So GDP is easily skewed by reporting stuff that shouldn't be reported and by not reporting stuff that should be reported, it doesn't account well for our modern globalised world and it overlooks internal factors that may hurt the actual wealth of people within a nation. But perhaps the biggest limitation it has is what it assumes about living standards. It doesn't stop to ask, what about the waste? The assumption is in economics that a higher GDP is a good thing. Year on year growth in GDP figures means that more stuff is being produced making people wealthier on average. Now sure it might be making a select group of people a lot richer and not really changing anything for anybody else, but that's a separate argument entirely. But GDP doesn't really discriminate, a billionaire buying their third yacht is just as good as 500 families buying their first home, as far as GDP is concerned. Now you might think this is a major limitation of GDP and some would argue that it is, but you know what? It's probably just fine so long as people realize that it's an aggregate figure. In this example living standards have increased, they've just increased massively for one person rather than a little bit for a lot of people. But let's steer well clear of that argument to look at a more universal shortcoming, which is what they do with waste. Economists assume that the more stuff we have, the better our living standards are. It's up to the market to decide what those things actually are that are produced, but a nation with a $10,000 GDP per person adjusted for purchasing power parity is going to have better living standards than one with a GDP of $50,000 per person. Now of course some will argue that more stuff isn't necessarily the be all and end all, but ignoring those damn hippies, waste becomes a very real problem either way. Consider two nations, they both have 10 million residents and are similar in almost every way. Nation 1 has a GDP of 100 billion dollars per year, whereas nation 2 has a GDP of 200 billion dollars per year. Now nation 2 would be the wealthier nation, pretty simple. But consider this, nation 1 turns almost all of its productive potential towards building long lasting durables, things like very reliable cars, brick homes, those appliances from the 1960s that still work to this day as well as a selection of industrial goods. Nation 2 on the other hand focuses more on the production of consumables, gadgets, single use items, homes that will be out of style within the next decade or so, and cars that are only going to last for as long as the average leasing contract. Well in this instance long term it would be hypothetically possible that nation 1 would have more collective wealth if given a long enough time period to build up a good, sustainable batch of reliable items. This might be an extreme example, but consider the dichotomy of Japan and Qatar. Qatar has one of the highest GDP per capita in the world at $69,000 as of 2019. Japan's GDP per capita is still good, but a lot more modest at $41,000 per year, but Despite having less than 2 thirds of the GDP per person, the average net worth of a Japanese citizen is more than double that of the average Qatari, coming out to $154,235 per person compared to Qatar's $62,239. An economy literally fueled by oil and obsessed with blingy things may look great in terms of those GDP figures, but who is truly better off? GDP is a figure that people know, and therefore it is a figure that people care about. Gini coefficients and Nehru statistics aren't going to make headlines like a 33% drop in GDP will. Recessions are defined by GDP figures, so policymakers are almost strong armed into making that look as good as possible, even if it comes at the detriment of the economy in the long term. Things like collective net worth of individuals within an economy might tell us a lot more about genuine prosperity, rather than how much stuff we are churning through. Or if nothing else it might be a figure to consider in conjunction with GDP. To stress the analogy, a speedometer to the GDP tachometer to let people driving the economy really know what's going on. Either way, if you want to do your part for the collective net worth figure of your economy, you better start investing.